and welcome to Soul Talk with Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Rabbi Aaron, recently I started to realize that oftentimes, even when people will say, I believe in God, and that will be, oh, I believe in God too. But as you're starting to have a conversation, I started to recognize that sometimes my concept of God is different than the other person's concept of God. And it really made me realize that I think all of us sometimes, first of all, we need upgrades in our concepts of God. I don't want to have the same concept of God as my seven-year-old. But even to clarify, when we talk about God from the Torah, from the biblical perspective, what is our understanding of who, what God is? Yes, that's uh, that's that's the basic of the basics. In fact, Rev Cook has an article on, uh, it's an it's extraordinary article on the... Um, the uh, the benefit of atheism to the world. <laughs> you wouldn't think a rabbi would talk about how atheism actually benefited the world, but he actually starts off his 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 article with saying that all personal problems and all interpersonal problems and all global problems are actually rooted in the misconception of God. And he talks about how it really requires a lot of work and a lot of diligent clarity to get to a mature, healthy understanding of what we mean when we say God. In fact, the truth is, one could make, a, I think, a very compelling argument that this war right now between Israel and Hamas is really rooted in how we understand God. And, um, and you know, for them, God is a almighty being, and they aspire to be powerful like him you know if you if you admire someone you want to be like them if you worship somebody and praise them you want to be like them and if you are if your god is 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 uh, is praiseworthy because he's so powerful and so mighty then you want to be like him powerful and mighty and for us what we admire about god is although he is almighty he uses his almightiness for goodness and we want to be like God in, in that way. So how does a person say, you know, Allah Akbar, Allah is great, and then go around murdering babies and women and children and men? And, you know, something certainly seems like wrong here. In the name of God, they're doing such horrible crimes uh, or in the name of their God. And so that's, this is a really important question. It really deserves a lot more than... The time that we have right now, but let's let's begin. You know, in, in our tradition, um, when we say God, that's synonymous with the word good. And I believe that God is the personification of all good. And certainly in our tradition, uh, God is good almighty. And, um, you know, and people say, well, how do you know God is good? And maybe he's not good. Maybe he's bad. No, we're not saying that God is good. We're saying that good is what we call God. Mm. And that good created the world. And uh, and I, I don't want people to think I'm depersonalizing God. Actually, I'm saying that God is the personification of, of all good. And to serve God means to serve to bring greater goodness to the world. And so... If somebody says to me, I don't believe in God, I ask them, well, do you believe in good? Yes. Do you believe in love? Yes. Do you believe in peace? Yes. 
do you believe in kindness and compassion and justice and truth? Yes. Okay, well, guess what? That's in our tradition what it would mean to, to, to be a believer in God because God is the epitome of all that. And if a person says, listen, I don't believe in God, but I want good to rule this world and I want to live my life in service of bringing more good into the world and all the ingredients of good, which would be love and compassion and kindness and truth and justice and peace and all that, those are the ingredients of good then that's really functionally what we mean when we say God. And, uh, and in a nutshell, that's what God means to us. The name, the Hebrew word term for God is yud heh vav heh, uh, which we don't pronounce. We say Adonai when we see that word. And our sages tell us that that word is associated with the attribute of rachamim. And rachamim would... Uh, although generally translated as compassion, really conceptually would be should be translated as unconditional love. And if the name of God is identified with unconditional love, then that's what we mean when we say God. Hmm. That God is the source of unconditional love, and love is always a show of a desire to give good to others and help people live and enjoy a better life. And that's what it means to serve God. Well, so I'm going to ask you a loaded question because I think even people who are God believers sometimes struggle with God. And usually when they struggle with God, it's because they're not feeling that love. Something terrible happens, some tragedy, some crisis. And that's oftentimes even when people do believe in the idea that there's a God who created the world that's involved in our lives, we struggle. So how does one um, work out that on the one hand, we're saying you're saying that God is good and all those attributes of good are manifestations of God. On the other hand, sometimes we experience what to us doesn't seem so good, and that's often when we struggle in believing in God. Yes. Well, first, if it's important to understand that it's, I think it's pretty common that people are projecting their parents on God because the first God they meet in their life is their parents. And so if they grew up in an environment that was abusive or really very punishing and extremely judgmental and critical, this is their first encounter with a God. These people created me. They created the home I live in. They set the rules. They administer the consequences. And this is their archetype of a God. So, so, so people who have issues with their parents very often will have an issue with God, either that God will be a super uh, blown up image of their parents, or they, they might create God in an alternative uh, in image so that God is the opposite of their parents. But mm -hmm. I believe that one's faith is very much tied into their experience with their parents and a reaction to that. Uh, but you're asking a little bit of a different question, which is, but what happens in your life where what's happening certainly doesn't feel like what would come from a loving God? And that's a difficult question. That's a really difficult question. And I appreciate you asking me that question because that's a sign that you think I'm the Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> because Moses asks God, why do the righteous suffer? And he didn't get an answer. If you're a loving God and your business is just good business and you just want to shower us with the greatest good, then, then these great righteous people are suffering. Where's your love? Where's your, where's the greatest good? Mm -hmm. 
and he didn't get an answer. Uh, and so um, I, 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 it would it would be pretty, um, you know, problematic for me to give an answer that Moses himself didn't get an answer. But what I will do is give an approach about how we can understand what we don't understand. Um, yes, it's true, and I've experienced it in my life too. There are times that are really dark and painful and and I and I and I feel well this is a loving God and um, but it's important to take a step back and I always say to myself as well as to others who have these challenges who turn to me you have to cut God some slack you know like reserve judgment because you don't know the ending of the story and the whole story is very much depending on the ending and uh, I think we've shared on this uh, on this podcast before. Imagine you're a seed, and you don't know you're a seed, and someone buries you alive. From your perspective, this this person is a psychopath and is and is a murderer, and just kill me, finish me off, don't bury me alive. And then it's all confirmed because they're dying in the ground; they're disintegrating. And if someone were to whisper into this little seed's ear, uh, you know, you're not dying, uh, and this is not a murderer, this is a farmer, you're a seed, and you're not dying, you're actually blossoming, and you're about to become much more than a seed, there's no way that seed could accept that. No way that any of that would make sense. And so that's why even saying that to a person in pain it sounds nice intellectually, but right now I'm in pain. But I'm hoping it will give, give some people a little bit of a pause to step back and say, maybe the way I experience life and the way I perceive what is happening isn't really exactly what's happening. And I've given the example of a, of a primitive in the dark jungle of, of Africa who trips on a rock and smashes his head against a tree and finds himself in a hospital with people around him in these light green robes and holding sharp utensils. From his perspective, he doesn't know anything about medicine. He doesn't know anything about hospitals. From his perspective, he's being captured by a, a tribe of cannibals and he's dinner and they're going to eat him alive. And if someone were to whisper into his ears, these are doctors, this is a hospital, even though these are strangers, they've actually been by your side for the last 13 hours trying to save your life. And they are coming from the place of the greatest compassion and the greatest desire to give you the greatest good and to give you life again. Is there any way he could understand that? There's no way he could understand that. It's just so out of his, out of his, his life experience. And so too, we're going through terrible pain right now. This war is a very hard time to talk about how God loves us. You know, there are people that are held hostage and, 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 and horrible things are being committed to them. And, you know, and, and, and the question is obvious and it's a burning, painful question. If God is loving, how is he allowing this to happen? And uh, Judaism still maintains God is loving, still maintains that God is the epitome of all good. And that even though this in our eyes is, is, horrible beyond horrible and it makes no sense that any of this could be part of a good loving god 
someday we'll be able to look back at it all and it all makes sense. And that takes a lot of humility and uh, patience to be able to uh, cut God some slack. But, you know, I, I shared the story about Elie Wiesel, who did not believe in God after the Holocaust. So the story I was told, and he was brought to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and, the, and he said to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, you know, how can you believe in God after the Holocaust? And the Rebbe said to him, how can you not believe in God after the Holocaust? And this had a profound transformational effect on Elie Wiesel. And I thought like, how? But what the Rebbe was saying is, Elie, you want more Holocaust? Go around telling people there's no God. So as much as there's good reasons for a person to lose their faith, I think there's better reasons for people to keep their faith because the best reason is save this planet because a planet that does not have faith in God and does not admire and praise God as a absolute source of morality, love and goodness and aspire to be like that is a world that has no hope. Mm. So it almost sounds like on the one hand, I have to recognize that the essence of what God is, is goodness but on the other hand, recognize that that goodness isn't something that I can always understand. So anytime I'm struggling, I'm limited in my capacity to understand when things to me feel like they're not good. But there's analogies help to understand that. Like if I'm the seed, I think it is not good that I'm being buried, even though there's when we are beyond the seed with intellect beyond it, we recognize actually being planted, your greatest potential is coming out. So in a sort of metaphoric way, I can understand that even things that don't seem good to me are good in the big picture. It's just we're limited in experiencing them that way. Yes. But what I'm realizing is so significant about your explanation of God is that depending on how I perceive God will really affect the kind of relationship that I have with God. Because when I recognize oh, yeah. God as loving, that's a very different kind of relationship than the other aspect where one can be like afraid of God, afraid of God's retribution, afraid of hell, meaning that's a very different kind of relationship you're having with God based on your perception of what God that's is. Right. You know, basically, you know, the idolaters were giving their God sacrifices to kind of get them off their back. Like, here, take my take my firstborn, take my sacrifice here. You're almighty and you want us to demonstrate and acknowledge you're almighty and you're you're the most powerful being around and we're not. And uh, but deep in our hearts, we'd like to be you. In fact, we'd like to beat you and, 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 and be, be you. But we're not going to be able to do that. And uh, but our understanding of God is the source of all love and, and all goodness. And and so, yes, it's true that there's a very strong theme, a narrative of fearing God. But that's a misunderstood concept. The concept of fearing God is not to fear God as a being that is threatening to hurt me, but fearing that my behavior would cut me off from God. You know, when a person's on a, uh, a, let's say they're on a game show and they're about to possibly win a million dollars, but uh, they've got to get this one answer, this one question answered correctly to get that million dollars, they're shaken. They're scared. Now, the MC is about to open up an envelope and, and, and share the answer. They're scared, but they're not afraid of the MC. The MC is not trying to hurt them. They're afraid of the consequences of their behavior. And so a person should understand that there are ways to behave that enable you to feel closer to God. And there's ways that be, that to behave 
that causes you to feel alienated from God. And that's what you should be afraid of is should be afraid that your consequences will cut you off from God. Hmm. Not that God cuts you off. God will never cut you off. But, you know, if, if a person, if you have somebody in your life that loves you, but you don't acknowledge their love and you push it away and you betray it, then even though they feel close to you, you don't feel close to them. Hmm. It's a very different understanding of what it means to fear God. And I, you know, sometimes I think of human relationships. I mean, how often I think sometimes as a parent that um, a child does something and then there's this fear of of being disconnected from the, or in any relationship. There's, it's, I get that in the human relationships too. You're afraid of feeling the disconnection from that person because you love them. And that's very different than being afraid that this person's going to hurt me. Absolutely. Judaism teaches, you know, the word onish, which has been translated as punishment, it's not a fair translation because for most people, the word punishment triggers an understanding that there's some power person who is going to get back at you, put you in your place, let you have it, you know, and, 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 and smash you. That's definitely not what Onish means in our tradition. Onish is, a, is an unpleasant consequence that was generated your behavior, but it's only in the interest of helping you grow and balance the bad that you did so you can get back to the good. And and God is never trying to hurt us, but only trying to heal us. And it does hurt to be healed. Mm. Hmm. This just really shows the power of perception, because I feel like in each of these situations, that even what you just shared, God wants to heal us, but it can't hurt to be healed. But if I think I'm focusing on the hurt part, this hurts, something bad's happening, as opposed to I'm healing right now. It's a challenge. It's a process. There's pain involved, but I'm going towards healing. The perception changes everything. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's that's the, the idea of Lashon Hara. You know, speaking badly about somebody, you know, you, you, somebody says to you, you know, your, your, your friend, he's stingy. My friend, he's not stingy. He's a very generous guy. But now that the guy put that in your head, so the next time you're at a at a restaurant, you happen to notice, wow, this guy's looking at the menu really for a long time. Maybe he is stingy. And what happens is we have the skewed perception of somebody and they start we start finding proof for what we're looking for. Hmm. So really, I think what this conversation is really, I know, helping me with and hopefully everyone who's who's listening here is that sometimes I think we really need to reexamine what are the perceptions we have of God. Maybe where they've come from, as you pointed, a lot of times it has to do with earlier experiences that we've had when we were younger, especially with parents, but it can be many different kinds of experiences. And we really need to recognize the power of perception because the kind of relationship I can have with God is going to be, be dependent on my perception of God because God is a punished someone who's punishing me is a very different kind of relationship that I'm going to have than the concept of God who is all loving. And even if I'm going through challenges, it's coming from a very different place. Yes. You know, a lot of people think that a conversation about God is not so necessarily relevant. It's actually, it's the most relevant because bottom line, whether you believe you have there was a creator or not is going to determine whether you think the world is meaningful and was created with purpose. And then if you do believe in a creator, what do you believe this creator is about and re- requires of you? And if you think this creator is just looking for obedience and praise and glory and, and, and just wants to keep you, you know, submitted and subdued, then you're, you're going to resent this creator. But if you understand this creator is interested in enabling you to reach your highest potential, then you'll love the creator and invite more of the creator into your life. 
Wow. Well, this conversation will definitely help with that. I want to thank you for joining us. Soul Talk with Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel.